Welcome back to the Darko Audio Podcast. I am Darren Henley, and John Darko is streaming in from Berlin, and he is fully caffeinated. All right, you ready? Let's go. Yeah, so I, I I'm not just a vintage guy. I'm I'm a guy who is whatever sounds good to me is is great, right? Mm-hmm. So I have these old speakers that I worked on. I do like that horn speaker sound and the giant low frequency, you know, driver paper drivers. Yeah, um, it sounds very live to me, and it is absolutely a compromise. It's not going to give you the same sort of sound that a, a new floor stander, for example. Mm-hmm. would sound right mm-hmm. it's not the same and i'm not mm. going to say it's better but for me i i get the most fun out of that st- this style of speaker okay so onto my digital chain so on the flip side of the the um the spectrum i suppose i am running title um in fact we have the family plan by the way my my wife uses it too so i bought into it it's 30 bucks a month yeah for I think up to four different users, and this is the and Hi-Fi plan, is it? It is. Yeah. And so we're we're streaming Hi-Fi, and and now she's into that, and that's cool. So we pay for that family plan, and thirty bucks a month. You know, as you mentioned before, to me is an absolute steal. Mm-hmm. Um. So I use currently I don't have a server, so I'm still using a Windows PC as my source. Mm-hmm. I'm running Rune server on a de- so i have a dedicated machine i have a rune server and and title mm-hmm. and then i'm controlling rune with a tablet mm-hmm. and that's going to that's wired to my network right mm-hmm. <laughs> and then i have a uh sonore micro rendu mm-hmm. that is attached to the network mm-hmm. and and then in turn attached to my shit yggdrasil DAC. Mm-hmm. and that's feeding my Toolshed amps, tube amp. Interesting, because I too <laughs> this week have a shit Yggdrasil deck. Um, oh well, yeah, yeah, just yeah. The Analog Two version arrived. Four of you arrived last week, so I um I hooked that up on the weekend, um and I too run Rune, but I have a server in my kitchen that streams mm-hmm. to actually another server which is also a streamer. I have um. The Inuus Zenith Mark II SE, the SE version, you know, the limited one, which is just a yeah. wonderful sounding. I just use it as a streamer, but it sounds amazing. You know, like we were talking about why this podcast and um, and the random thoughts that I have um, that, you know, sometimes I put them inside articles. Sometimes they, I want to write an article about them and never, never really get around to it. And this is one of those. I was, I was thinking about this, right, is that, you know, the, the conversation surrounding cables and especially digital cables is the language, the language that we use is very, very important. And when people say things like, do you believe in cables? The word, the, the, the belief there implies some kind of 
leap of faith you know that you're kind of you're you're not relying on experience you're just just going with a gut feeling you know just your own intuition yeah cables make a difference it's based upon my intuition which is not true because i think most people who have um audiophile cables i have you know they they threw away the stock interconnect that came with their cd player or dac and they they upgraded their speaker cable these people are not doing so because you know they're, they're blindly following others they're doing so because they hear a difference their experience tells them that there is a difference between that cheap cable and this probably more expensive cable i think rather than ask people do you believe in cables or believe in audio cables i think a better question is is have you experienced differences between audio cables because it puts the emphasis on experience and i because experience matters you know like uh, and i know there are people out there who say well they can't possibly make a difference but these are people who probably i think but by, by the way they talk haven't actually experienced what I have experienced or what you have experienced, but it's psychoacoustics, right? So let's for a moment, let's for just for a moment, indulge that assertion. And let's assume that when I upgrade my cables, I'm enjoying the benefit of psychoacoustics, right? Like my money, my $200, my $1,000 on my whatever is is buying me a psychoacoustic experience. What's the problem with that? I, I don't I don't understand. It's it's giving me more, more enjoyment, just as taking drugs alters consciousness in to some degree. And in some you know, we find we do that because it's fun, we drink alcohol because it's fun, it alters our perception if you like. So why, you know, why you know spending money on cables? why should that be any different but that's assuming that the psychoacoustics argument is is true but actually in the case of this jcat m12 and ethernet cables you know people say well you know where's this okay well, it must be psycho psychoacoustics because the science doesn't you know we don't we don't have any you know we you can't show me any measurements why this thing would sound any better in other words the science hasn't caught up with the experience so I, I, I kind of think back to the, you know, to, to cavemen who will have, you know, they will have seen the sun go up and come down every day for millions of years. I don't know. I, my epochs are all out, but you get the idea. But it was only in the 14th century that science caught up with experience and Copernicus gave us his model of the solar system, right? The, the planets and the, that, you know, we're, we're all revolving around the sun and that's why we see it go up and down. And, you know, those same cavemen or even even the Romans, let's take the Romans as a good example, right? They would have thrown, you know, flung spears into the air and they would see them crash to the ground or they would throw rocks in the air and see those crash to the ground and they would be experiencing gravity. But it wasn't until, I think, the 17th century that Newton published his um, book, you know, book on physics. Oh, God, Newton's Laws of Physics or what? I'm sorry, I don't know what it has a formal name. But it, it wasn't until the 17th century and Isaac Newton that science caught up with experience. And I think there's a lag between experience and the scientific explanation. And I think we're currently experiencing that with Ethernet cables and Ethernet devices in the digital audio world.
you're saying here is that you and I have had the same experience. When we've switched cables, when we've switched components, there has been a chain, a change in the sound quality. It's different. It sounds different. Speaker cables, digital cables, it makes a difference. One of the things that I struggle with most with folks, especially if you spend any time online or in forums, which I, I don't do much anymore. I did spend a bit of time on, on forums and it, the folks who most loudly argue against it, that it can't possibly change your listening experience. It can't possibly sound different. I do believe that most of those people haven't gone through the exercise. Right. Yeah. You obviously don't run phone wire between your um, your tube amp and your your Altex, right? You, you wouldn't do that, would you? I mean, I, I don't know. Well, maybe you would. I don't know. But... I have a spool of cheap copper wire. I have most recently tested out some... Doolin is making a tinned copper wire. I don't know if you've seen this in the news, but Doolin, the folks who make high-end c- capacitors and things like that, are now recreating... I think the inspiration came from old Western electric uh, tin copper wire, which is now no longer available. And so they're making this for audiophiles to run as speaker wire or people are making interconnects out of it and all all these other things. And I thought, huh, I'll try it out. And it was I I got a good deal on it. I connected Mm. my speakers and I switched between that and copper wire, cheap copper wire. And I have a pair of anti cables. Oh, yeah. Their reference. Um the yep. red wire, which, which I love. And they most certainly sound different. <laughs> there is most, most yeah. definitely a change in the sound quality. Now, you know, everybody's preferences are different. So someone else might not like the anti-cables, but it also depends on the system that they're connecting with that wire, right? There's so many variables involved in the ultimate product, right? What's coming out of the system. But anyway, so I've switched between those three um, on several occasions, one for perspective and two, because, you know, I was wondering whether I could get away with doing, you know, using cheaper wire and the, I can, but it doesn't sound the same. Yeah. I think it's interesting that, yeah, because what we're talking about here is not better or worse, but just the experience tells us there are differences just as experiences tell us tells us there are differences between DACs or streamers or phono cartridges we listen we hear right so those same faculties that we use to hear differences between two phono cartridges or between two DACs are the same that we use to, to assess cables I mean it's a bit like um Let's take the example of like a hi-fi rack, right? Now, a hi-fi rack for me can serve two purposes. One, it's a nice way of presenting your gear, you know, your audio system in your home. I don't mean presenting it to other to other people. I mean just to make it look like not a bunch of boxes and wires. Make it look nice to surround it in wooden furniture. And the other thing that it does, well, some of them do, is to limit the the negative influence of vibrations on, on, on equipment. You know, the, uh, um, but 
these that's not something i think people should fuss over if they're still trying to decide which deck to buy or which speakers to buy like go and get all your gear sorted out first go and make your choices even make your choices about cables and then when you've got to that point and you're kind of happy with what you've got then think about a rack you know and then when you've got that then maybe the very last thing you should think about is an ethernet cable maybe I mean, that's not the first thing you should ever do. I mean, you should do speakers first, and, you know, choose the best speakers or the, the speakers you like the most for your room. Um, it's you're like it's it it is a it's a it's a list of pro you have to prioritize. You have to decide, you know, what's worthwhile and what's not. So yeah, but it's I think it's very easy, easy to get lost in the minutiae and lose sight of the broader context. But it's also a matter of knowing when to stop because you could just do this, you could do it forever. And I think a lot, like it, it's, it's not just a matter of like what you find best or not or what I find best or not. It's a matter of, you know, my reaching or you reaching a point where we say, that's good enough for now. But I, quite, I really, I really enjoy this. I mean, it's a matter of being comfortable enough to <laughs> and be, actually I have to say this, be happy enough in yourself to say, I don't need to be you know, chasing some theoretical, unattainable notion of perfection to find my happiness, which I think is really, I mean, there's some deep philosophical issues involved in the pursuit of better sound. Um, and I actually think that a lot of people, what they're really, you know, when they, when they buy, you know, when they upgrade a piece of gear, they're not only chasing better, they're chasing different. So I would much, personally, I would much rather have, if I had 10 grand to spend, I would spend it on three different pairs of speakers. Just say that was my speaker budget. So that I could swap, swap them out every now and again. Because if I put my entire 10 grand into one pair of speakers, it wouldn't take long, because this is the audiophile disease, it wouldn't take long for me to kind of start thinking about, oh, what else, what, what else, what, what, how can I scratch this itch? Now, if I've got my three pairs of lesser quality speakers, I can swap them out as often as I like. So that, that change up, I think, converts more easily into longer term satisfaction for most audiophiles. It's the difference thereafter. Right now, to your point, having three pairs of speakers, I like switching between my digital and analog because it gives me perspective also. I really enjoy that too. I have big phases with records. I've just actually finished one because I was reviewing, um, well, not just because I was reviewing a Wired for Sound phono stage, which I wrote last week, but because I just have these phases where I'll spend two months playing nothing but vinyl and then yep. I'll have to do a, like a write about a DAC. So I'll spend two months not buying any vinyl, not playing it, the lid will go back on the Technics and I'll just be listening to digital all the time. And I, I do like the alternation between the two because it's just a different yep. flavor. It's a bit like... Like if you do, no, no, this is another Brian Eno thing, right? If you do, no matter how some, how awesome something it is, if you do it too long, it becomes unsat, it, it, it becomes dissatisfying, unsatisfying. It's dissatis, it becomes dissatisfying. I've forgotten the word. Um, so if you're, you know, you need to, like, you really need to change it up every now and again, even if it's not as good. Like my, I've got a. Yep. Uh, well, yeah, I got an Audifon 2M Black at the moment on my Technics turntable. 
and that's uh, probably the best I've ever you know got this turntable sounding it's it's for me it sounds really nice I did install the cartridge myself I don't do that I get somebody who knows what they're doing to do it but it's it sounds wonderful sure. but I don't for me like from a technical from a subjective point of view it doesn't quite cut it compared to the best DACs and especially when those DACs are fed by better streamers and this is a thing I will talk maybe we'll talk about this in a future episode um, about the importance of streamers and servers and you know how you feed your DAC but when I've got like my the Inuit server feeding pretty much you know, the shit DAC or the aqua DAC or the PS Audio Direct Stream. It, all of these combinations, to me, sound subjectively better than my turntable, and either the wired for sound phono stage or the PS Audio phono stage. I mean, but that doesn't mean I enjoy vinyl less. I spend a lot of money buying records every year. I really enjoy it, but it, it's not necessarily because of sound quality. That's also a topic for another episode, I think. I'm really happy with my gear. I'm and so I'm just enjoying the music more. And but you do get that itch to your point and I do have a couple pairs of speakers I can swap mm-hmm. in or I can switch from vinyl to digital. Um and that gives you perspective so you can you know contribute to the conversation. Um and it, and of course on a personal level most importantly it's just keeps it fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because the bottom line, it's still all about music. I mean, it, <laughs> it's about the gear, but the gear wouldn't be built unless we had to play music back, right? Um, so I think that it, it's all, you should be fun, right? You want to sit around with your friends um, and put a record on or stream music and, and and maybe you're not paying as much attention to the music. I don't know, but... Do audio files, do, here's know. a good question though. Do audio files actually do that? Do they sit around with their friends? Because the majority of the, no, um, this is a serious question. It may sound like I'm taking a piss, but the majority of listening rooms I see, and my room is well, the only the ang- the only photos I take of my room are of a sole listening chair in front of a pair of mm-hmm. speakers. But I do have a couch. I do have I do play music when other people are here. But I'm I'm wondering if you, know, you see a lot of listening rooms photographs on the net, and it's just a chair <laughs> in front of a wall of hardware. Like one chair, and I've I've even been to like audiophile friends' houses, and rather than just all sit around like just playing music, they'd put like a a train of chairs, which is like from a yeah I understand why, but it also you know music is a socially well rather listen to music can be a social experience it doesn't have to be a solitary experience, and unfortunately it's becoming that way I think um, especially with headphones. My system is currently in what is also my office, so it is more of a private listening spot. It's not built for a group of people necessarily. Mm. Um, I but I wish I could move it all out into our living space so that we could do that with people, because I I, I want to do more of that. I I do like hi-fi, and mm. I have a couple friends who might want to sit down and actually like talk about and listen to music from that perspective. Yeah, but more often than not, it's more about Hey, I just got this record. So when I was a teenager, that's what we did. Mm. I'm old enough to where we 
we'd buy records or we'd get hand-me-down records and then we'd hang out and play them with our friends and talk about it and that i mean i was also playing music so we were very into music but anyway that's where it started for me and i kind of want to hang on to that like the vinyl hang that's what i call it like i would love to bring that back and i have a buddy who's got two turntables in his living room (laughs) so he can so he can actually keep a mix going i love that dj would but yeah but it's not like yeah but it's not it's not dance music it's all styles of music but he likes to have a a nice flow but we manage that and he's like why don't you go you know cue up a record and whatever you want to play next so now we've gotten into this new yeah it's like a new ritual where we he's like bring records with you you're coming over we're gonna hang out we're gonna barbecue whatever but then at the same time we get to mix in a little bit of that musical experience and but it's far more social and it's and it's fun and Mm. it's less about you know, wow, those transients, you know, they're a little, <laughs> right? Because I appreciate that stuff. I like yeah. to nerd out on the techni- technicalities too, but that's not about music, right? That's about playback and about, um, that's something else. And that's fine. But it's also but antisocial, isn't it? I it mean, when is. you're doing that, that's what you do by yourself. That's what that's where you find the enjoyment in listening to music as a solitary, solitary pursuit. But yeah. if it's only a solitary pursuit, I think that's a problem. And for me, I, 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 I couldn't deal with that. I, I need to have, like, every so often have people around, play music. Yeah, it's fun. I think you're missing out. I think that maybe you, you, you it's fine if it's a solitary, to your point, there's a ton mm. of young people who are getting into music and into gear even through mm. the head five space, right? Through the, through the personal audio space. And I think that's awesome, but it is very isolating. Um, it and is. It's hard to share. The, the kind of the, the notion of passing the headphones. I like that. I mean, then that is a thing. Right. Yeah. But I, I do, yeah. It's a bit like, you know, I love, I love the term vinyl hang. I think that's awesome. But it's a bit like going for a beer. When you say to somebody, like, do you want to go and get a beer after work or whatever? What you're actually saying is, do you want to go and have a chat yep. whilst we drink beer, right? So the beer is the kind of the, the catalyst for the conversation. And for your vinyl hang... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's but it's the, the focus is not necessarily the vinyl. It's having a conversation, but the vinyl playback is the catalyst for that social interaction, right? That that is yep. awesome. I, yep. I love that. It's the terminology really. Those two words just they're perfect. They say everything that needs to be said about that concept. If I found a bag of money, you know, uh, if I found a stack of gold bricks, um here's what I would do. I think I would open a hi-fi cafe somewhere on the West coast where we served maybe beer and wine and maybe coffee, mm-hmm. tea, whatever, maybe some snacks, but there was a really nice system and a big stack of vinyl and digital chain too. And we would just play records all day and people could come and hang out because I feel like the only way to show people who don't know is to, to teach them. Right. And so how would you do that? I think that would be so fun. And I know in Japan there's hi-fi cafes and maybe there were some here in the States, but I don't think so. Yeah, anymore. I've been to a couple in, in, in Tokyo. Um, yeah, and I think that would be awesome. I mean, I would do that. And it, number one, it's an, an excuse to hang out and listen to records all day. What's that bar in London? Is, is it called Brilliant Corners? What's really cool about it, it's bringing high-quality hi-fi gear out of the lounge room and putting it in under people's noses in public spaces and, and, and in doing so it legitimizes it people are used to seeing big speakers in venues right 
so generally, and this is another one of my little random thoughts, is that the reason live music is so, so popular nowadays is that it's the only place where many, many people are exposed to big sound. Because they go home and all their little speakers, little chirpy, chirpy, like laptops, Bluetooth speakers, TVs. They go to a venue, there's a big PA playing, and it just it really consumes them and they love it. So, but they don't necessarily conceptualize something as a, you know that can exist in between those two. So they go to this place like Brilliant Corners or a, I don't know, like a hi-fi cafe in Tokyo and see that, that you know, there's, a, there's an in-between world and therefore it's a continuum. You know, they can have a little bit of this at home if they want it. And without feeling like <laughs> so much of a nerd that they're a social outcast. <laughs> right. It can get that way, right? If you're not careful. And, and certainly can, I've gone yeah. down the rabbit hole here with these vintage projects and they are on the extreme, you know, one mm. extreme of the spectrum. I, lately, we have been trying to bring back these, like, you know, the vinyl hang and bring back the music as part of the experience. Why I'm thinking about the education angle is two experiences I had recently with my nieces and one's a sophomore in mm. high school, the other's a freshman in college. Um, and by the way, the freshman is buying vinyl now. She hmm. has this little portable table in her dorm room. Yeah, um, which is cool. But they were here and the younger one is really into music and listens probably on headphones all the time. She doesn't, you know, she doesn't have money to buy music yeah. and so she's streaming music through her phone or whatever. But we sat down in here at one point and she was kind of sitting in the sweet spot and we were talking, hanging out, but we were playing music loud and playing music that she likes, which is a lot of hip hop mm -hmm. and cool new stuff. Right. But I remember at one point and I stopped because I was talking to my wife and, and Bryn, she says, wow, his voice, it sounds, and she just stopped. And then she just started grooving again. <laughs> and I was like, that's so cool. Just because mm. it's a different experience, right? I don't want to be snobby about it. It doesn't have to be better than streaming Bluetooth to your car or your headphones or whatever. But it is different, most certainly. And it can give you a really cool, enriching mm. experience, right? Um, hearing hi-fi. And, and just seeing that glimpse in, in her head of like, whoa. Mm. You know? Yeah, that is cool. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah, that got me excited again about, you know wanting to show people that there's an alternative i guess yeah i think what the, the, the trouble is is though is that people do appreciate it they do you put them in front of it and then you play it and they go that's amazing and then they say how much and then you tell them how much and then they go no, i'm not doing that but but then you have to kind of convince them that they can get a you know maybe a percentage a good a solid percentage of that for a few hundred bucks and that is absolutely possible. So last Friday, um, I had a delivery. And it wasn't the usual FedEx delivery. A manufacturer actually drove up from West Germany with a pair of speakers um, for me to review. And that manufacturer is Key Audio. That's spelled K-I-I. Um, they're a German company, but they make they spend a big 
So I, I, I think they're a large man speaker, but I guess that's because I'm sort of experienced in the LS50 and those kinds of stand mounts but the, you know the key three is a is a large stand mount speaker with its own custom stand so they have quite an imposing presence the pair I have are in this sort of orangey red I forget the, the proper the full name of the color Chris Reichart is the CEO of key audio and he delivered the speakers to my house and um, we spent some time chatting and I interviewed him and so I've got I've got that ready to go on video but the whole point of these speakers, or the, the, the main thrust of these speakers, is that they remove part of the room's influence. So they're active speakers. Um, so they just have a digital input or an analog input, which gets digitized. Then they use the DSP and some extra drivers at the side and the back to disperse sound in a, um, a cardioid pattern. Um, it's very hard to describe. <laughs> cardioid without showing you a photo so you're going to have to google cardioid dispersion google cardioid dis dispersion apparently the pro audio guys have been all over this for years but what it does it's basically um the frequencies tend to radiate in all directions and what these speakers do is through some trickery which i'm not going to get into now they try to throw as much sound forward as possible but minimize the amount of low frequency sound that goes backwards so that you don't get as as much um, reflection from the front wall behind the speaker. Um, so yeah, so that's the that's the that's the basic gist of them. I might have kind of fudged that a little bit, but okay. No, that's very interesting. I, I look forward to reading and viewing your content on on the key speakers. Uh, they, I would say, from my reference personally, they are fairly large stand mount yeah. speakers. Yeah. But I'll tell you this though, oh my god! <laughs> yeah, oh my god, they sound absolutely amazing. Thanks for listening. You're listening to the Darko Audio podcast. You can find more of John's writing at darko.audio. You can find more of my casts and written content at thenewold.co.